0: Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Good morning. You're listening to Clover Radio, and this is me, Michael O'Hirturin, Welcome you to episode 0326. That's 326, 326 of Five in the Eye, Clover Radio's weekly news review show.
1: And joining Michael via Zoom this week, it's Phil Winford, revealing that our top story is going to be the continued controversy surrounding the Metropolitan Police Chief Cress the Dick, particularly in the wake of the trial of Sarah Everard's killer.
0: And for story number two, we discuss the insulate Britain protesters who continue to block roads in their attempt to raise awareness of their cause. Is the home Home Secretary Pretty Patel right to crack down on what the press have described as eco-mobs?
1: Five in the eye. What's story number three this week? Well, it's the school that is trying to police the language used by its students in a bid to get them talking proper. Oh, Michael, if only your school had done the same, eh? (laughs) Hey, what are you
0: talking about? Come on, come on. And story number four, it's an extraordinary round over a sponsorship deal in women's chess. The governing body is welcoming a cash injection from the
1: breast enlargement business. And finally, this week, to wrap up the show, we ask what's the most adventurous way? to use a wheelie bin a florida man captured a five foot alligator in his trash can and then released it back into the wild (laughs) see you later alligator and that's this week's five in the eye five in the eye okay we're going to kick off the show this week with the um position of the beleaguered metropolitan police commissioner cressida dick and i mean the the number of calls for her resignation have been mounting over a period of time. She's always been a controversial figure, um, even at the time of her appointment. But um, in recent years, there's been a series of issues which people feel either she hasn't addressed properly Mm. um, or she's um, addressed wrongly. And, um, And a lot of this has come to a head with a couple of major um stories we remember of course there was that report um over daniel morgan he was a private detective who was based in south london found dead in a um in a car park back in 1987 and there were four police investigations a number of failed prosecutions and so on and eventually a report came out describing institutional corruption within the met and also making the point that even with the recent inquiry, the Met had been ridiculously slow to release relevant documents to the to the people conducting the inquiry, which had been set up by the home secretary at the time theresa may and then um but of course the this the, this backdrop is compounded by the events surrounding um the tragic murder of Sarah everard um which you know uh, came again to a head after the jailing of her killer he he's doing life without parole but he was a serving metropolitan police officer questions asked about how he was um allowed to continue in his job when there were suspicions about him within the force. Um, the um, the dubious WhatsApp groups that he was a part of. The fact that another officer who'd worked alongside him has been charged with rape. Um, it, there's a whole catalogue of stuff that's going on, Michael, that that raised serious questions about whether of the Dick has a grip on this. Unbelievable. And it just brings to, brings to like there's something wrong in the Met. The
0: Met and their approach to women. And the recruitment process—you know—that that this this um, cousins cousins um, had a had a had a record. I, I, I was just shocked, and, and I mean it sincerely—to find that he he was he was found driving in Devon, spotted driving in Devon back in 2015, naked from the waist, down. and and they thought is They t- the police knew about this, but they took no further action. You know, when, when, when he was transferred to from from the Kemp police and so this guy, as you said Phil has, has, has a has a record and then he goes on to commit this crime and the way he committed it, Phil, was just heinous. Mm. He arrested her, handcuffed her. And what we've got now we've got the the, the, the police recommending that lone women if they are if they're um, if they're stopped by a police officer to check his credentials. I mean, this well, is nonsense. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it's go, or, or, or stop a passing bus, or run into. Yeah, the yeah, house. You know,
1: I mean, come on, come on. This is just, this is just madness. I mean, the the idea that we we're having this conversation about how women should check on the, the bona fide as a of police officers. i mean the, the the police almost after the event they're almost presenting the case as being one of uh, a, a rogue individual who was almost masquerading yeah, as a police it, officer exactly. and, I, and i'm thinking no hold on a second he was a police officer he had a, a bona fide <laughs> warrant card um, no one would have known that the the arrest wasn't legitimate i mean this is a real crisis of confidence for a moment for 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 the met now the question is is Cressida Dick the person who is capable of sorting it out? Pretty Patel thinks yes. Even Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, seems to think that she is the, the woman to sort it out. I, I I really can't see
0: it. I'm sorry for sorted out. No, because he lost confidence. The public lost confidence in him because given this kind of nonsense of, of, of the way to help the, the people address the situation. You've got to change, not we've got to change. The police have to change. It's about you. You've created the problem. You know, don't, don't ask us to change. Don't ask women to change. You've got to change or demonstrate you're changing. None not of these weasel apologies, these weasel words of apology. We want some action. And a, a, a step in the right direction would be here to go so they could look at this, the, this um, male culture that you have in the police, this locker room banter, this misogynistic, and dare I say racist. Behavior that they have on these WhatsApp, primarily we get a WhatsApp group that is exposed in the police, and the, and 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 these police people remain in the police the police force, you know. And I was I was saddened to see that it's circulating the press now that, that the Met is is institutionally misogynistic, mm. but it it, it makes it, I want to say it makes sense. It's sad to say, but it's it's very similar to the the institutional racism claim because it looked at the systemically. There's something wrong the stat that really came home to me was 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 um, 10,000 cases or so of of reported indecent exposure less than 600 were a result in the prosecution and Phil, looks and was there was a, on the radio they were talking about um cuz this this is not new this there's 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 sexism misogyny in, in the in the police where police police women are reluctant to report cuz of the threats the threats that that, that, that they get and the, the risk to their career if they report the, the, this
1: sexist behaviour. Well, I mean, there was there's an, yet another case of uh, which which has come up of a of a detective, a female detective who is coming out of retirement to support the police. She'd been offered a job, um, entered a WhatsApp group which um, contained messages that she thought were uh, very offensive. She highlighted this, then found the job offer was withdrawn. Um, now, you know, th- th- this This shows something systemically wrong in the culture. Um, I don't underestimate how big a job it is to turn a culture like that around. I mean, the Met probably employs about 25,000 officers, a whole load of support staff and so on. Um, it's a huge organisation. How do you turn that around when the culture is so embedded? Um, it's going to take root and branch change. And that does mean someone new coming in, I'm afraid. And possibly also, I'm going to suggest something quite controversial here. Maybe someone at the top of the Met at a command level who isn't a career police officer. Yes, exactly. And maybe not
0: not from a British person, maybe from outside, maybe mm-hmm. a European or an American, you know, someone to to, to put some, so come with a, a totally different um, cultural heritage or back baggage. Because I sense this baggage here that goes back decades. Yeah. You know, to, to the, the the old the, the policeman on the beat, the old copper, you know, Dixon or Doc Green, the kind of all uh, bugs together. You know, we're, we're here to help the, the, the help the nation. Of course you are. But you know, we've moved on as a society now. We're more complex, a richer society in who we are and who and who has a stake in that society. And that should be respected. I just want to finish on this point, Phil, that really I was surprised This one, you know, when I was looking into this case. Do you know when you have domestic uh, of, um, abuse cases, mm. you know, and, and the, the figures of, of women dying at the hands of their, their partners is just extraordinary, almost on a weekly basis when women are dying, that the police offer the woman the choice. Do you want him arrested or not? Mm. You know, they put the onus on the woman rather than themselves. And there's kind of this male culture, this male culture, is it, there's something wrong with it, something, and I find very uncomfortable, you know, and it's, you know, it goes back to the, the fact that, you know, that we should look in, we should, rather than change our girls, the way the girls behave, we should look at the way the boys behave. Yeah. We should look at the way the boys behave. And the Metropolitan Peace could take leadership and ownership of it. And I would say Cressida Dick going, if that's the price we have to pay for it to reorganize, to review, to, to restore our trust and confidence in the police, then so be it. Five in the eye. Story number two this week is, is about Insulate Britain and what they're doing. This is a group of people hell bent on making their points. They're punishing all of us. And, you know, 99.99% of us agree with their cause. These, these the Insulate Britain, they're blocking highways. They're blocking motorways, stopping people getting through, and in some cases, people get into hospital. People going to go to hospital? No, you're not. You will not pass this way. And the, 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 the Oppo organisation, um, Extinction Rebellion. Their head said, "That's a, a just price to pay. That someone's death in an ambulance because he couldn't get through is a price we're paying for all this this climate change." I'm sorry. There's something systemically wrong with their logic. Mm-hmm. We're in agreement with you. The, the the issue is how do we move together? And if I go a little bit forward, Phil, let me finish on this point. We vote. We've changed in our voting habits. We vote for par- parties who are green, and often many, in some cases, specifically green. The Greens are. I've now got a representative in Parliament, but green issues are in are are, are on the agenda. Clearly on the agenda. We've got COP26 in Glasgow. Things are happening. Maybe not fast enough, but they are happening. Blocking motorways, you know, we're in agreement with you. No, I'm sorry, Phil. You can't defend them. You can't.
1: No, and I, I wouldn't defend the tactics, I think. They are profoundly alienating to, to most people. It very interesting looking at recent polling on Extinction Rebellion and Insulate Rebellion. Um, there is a negative perception of these campaigns in every section of the population. What's quite interesting is um, that uh, even young people, even when you poll people who are aged kind of 18 to 25 and so on, overall the perception. Is strongly negative. Um, and so uh, th- there's a kind of universal acceptance, I think, that the, the the message and the overall objective is right, but the tactics are wrong. Um, if we it, you know it's quite unusual, I would say, for um for pressure groups and campaigning organizations to have almost zero concern for the impression that they make on the wider public because a lot of the time you'd think the reason they do this is to bring everyone else on board so that we can change society in the way that we need to but this is a kind of campaign that really doesn't seem to care whether people come on board or not their tactic seems to be we'll make life so bloody difficult for everybody that eventually people will hold up their hands and say well we're going to have to do something because we can't you know can't cope with all their demonstrations it, it seems ridiculous as a strategy.
0: Totally totally and look what pretty potential that they're, they're putting legislation in place to target at them that you if you're found with glue in your pocket near a motorway <laughs> it was super glue in your pocket this is a potential offence and quite right, you know, here's me supporting Priti Patel. Who'd have thought, who'd have thought, <laughs> Phil? But, you know, it's, it's not right. It's not right to issue this violence. And I was really, really, I thought you were chuffed. That's not the right word, chuffed, happy. We'll come back to chuffed later on. we talk about language. Don't know what to say. But there was, there was a group of them. They blocked the motorway. And a cafe owner who had a cafe just down the road, people couldn't get to him because they blocked it. And he was complaining to them. He says, I'm losing business. Do so you know what they did, Phil? There's, there's, um, uh, these, these roadblockers, these roadblockers. you know what they did? They had a whip round. <laughs> they had a whip round. And they give the money to them. And you know what? The cafe owners refused it. Said, yeah. well, I thought that was, I was just, that spoke that's volumes.
1: He, 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 he doesn't want the charity of the, the do-gooding middle-class protesters, does that, he? Ex-
0: exactly. And they were I mean, exactly that. Phil. The, 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 do-gooding this... middle-class. I was minded. Do you remember in Stratford? Extinction Rebellion on the trains, gluing themselves the trains, and they were dragged off. They were dragged off at
1: Stratford. Yeah, yeah, in. yeah. Just, I, mean, just, I, I mean, I mean, I think, one, you know, you've mentioned Pretty Patel, and, you know, uh, uh, generally speaking, uh, uh, her politics and mine are uh, quite a, a long way apart. I, um, I do worry that this is you know, a convenient excuse to introduce a whole range of regulations and laws that could potentially be used in ways we wouldn't like. And so, for example, there's this idea that maybe Um, that you could get a court order to stop people moving around from place to place going if you know if they had a history of demonstrating in different places you could say well uh, you know you you can't travel to the demos now I I am dubious about that because I think you know there is a a history of people legitimately traveling from one part of the country to another in order to protest about something I've done it myself Uh, and I don't I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with me going up to a nuclear base in Scotland and saying I'm against nuclear weapons there or something like that.
0: I'm with you, Phil. I often think we, we've got centuries of law in this country on riots and riotous assembly. Why can't we use that rather than create new laws? It, it seems it seems really, really odd to me that we're, we're actually making these new laws. We should just enforce the laws that we have, you know, and, 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 and let the courts decide rather than making these things um, uh, specific. So no, I mean I'm I'm not for this, 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 because legislation that haste usually leads to bad legislation. No, that, that's the experience. Look at the, the dog legislation, no, they were banning dogs to dangerous drugs, and it was just it was it was wrong. It's wrong here what, what, what the government is doing. But at the same time, you know, this insulate Britain, extinction rebellion, they want to get real. We we're with you, but not this way, not this this angry violence disrupting society. You know, this is ordinary working people trying to go about their trying to go about their business. No, you want to be more creative, and that's that's.
1: This is such a blunt weapon. Blunt weapon indeed. We want more creativity. Five in the eye. Story number three this week is about language. There's a school in Camberwell in Southeast London, which uh, was reported in the Guardian. Uh, in the last week about um, the, the, their, their decision to ban certain kinds of language used by the kids um, now some of this is kind of things like filler words like a kid's saying basically at the start of sentences but um, also various piece, pieces of slang like he cut his eyes at me and words like bear and um, people saying, oh, my days and this kind of stuff, uh, which I would fall, uh, I, I would argue falls more into the category of just kind of um, the, 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 the language of a particular generation and culture. Um, now, the argument in favour of this is that, look, we need to prepare these kids for a world of work, we want them to go on to universities, we want them to have good jobs. If they don't speak the queen's english who's going to who who's going to employ them who's going to give them these opportunities so the school would say they have a responsibility to the kids my my concern is well you know that that to be honest this is the policing of a living Culture and you know, school kids since time immemorial have always talked uh, in their own unique way, haven't they, Michael? No doubt, at school you had your own slang that wasn't shared by the teachers. Um, I, wouldn't the, I wouldn't use the word slang, Phil. That that, that 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 denigrates it. It's just the way we
0: talk, Do you know. And this is a failure of on of the, of the teaching profession. And I, and I put it fairly in the court. You know, kids know how to code switch. They know when they're talking to their mom and dad. They know when they're talking to their mates. Equally, they know when they're replying to an exam question.
1: Mm.
0: And teachers need to get them to understand that. There's, there's a thing called English, which you use in exam. But equally, some might call it English. You might call it slang. But when you talk to your mates, that you, know, you, you use this, this language. And I didn't know. There was a couple of phrases there, Phil. Cut eyes at me. Sorry, didn't know that one. And, the, and, and there was one about in the neck, that's neck that. And I thought, what, what's that all about? You know, and this, this is the beauty of the English language. We're absorbing these things. Now they're in at the bottom. I'll keep on using your word slang. I just use it uh, colloquial language, kids, how kids talk to each other. And it may drift up. It may drift up to become, actually become English. But right now I think it's from teachers to get kids uh, to recognize the difference.
1: There is another issue which I discussed with you offline. I'm just interested in your views. I mean, I, I think some of this language that they are trying to police is uh, influenced by black culture. And I wonder how much here is, there is an attempt to suppress um uh, you know, a culture which doesn't conform to the middle class stereotypes of the wise establishment, Michael. I mean, I know, I know I'm not being controversial here, but you know, is there an element of hidden racism in
0: all of this? I think you're overcooking it. There, you're going a bit too far. This is just lang- the language police. You know, you're an apostrophe um, policeman. You know, you attack people for your inappropriate use of the comma. This is what we're seeing here. But the, the, the you know if you start a, a sentence basically in an essay, hang on a sec. You, you, you maybe you you kind of maybe in the last three sentences you, you've you've made some big statements and you're about to sum it up. Maybe that you could use it in that sense. But if, if it's just a starting a random sentence basically, then uh-uh, it's wrong. But you, yeah, you, I know, think you think cut they, eyes.
1: I but perhaps this is more, that not so much what you write in exam, but more about spoken English when you went into, say, a job interview or something like that. Is this what the teachers are thinking, that you walk through the door and the potential employer is seeing you for the first time? And, and if you create the wrong impression in the first 30 seconds, you've killed off your chance.
0: No, no, and you feel, OK, I'm going to agree with you there. You're right. You never, what was it, the glib expression? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Mm. And it comes back to this code switching, appropriate language, knowing who you're talking to, knowing what you want to say. So when I talk to you, Philip, I adopt correct language. I mean, this is
1: five in the eye is the place where you put on by far your poshest voice. I've noticed exactly, exactly, Philip. Or or just say basically, that's what I'm talking. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's 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 a case of getting it
0: right, getting set in the tone. And it, it saddens me that it's got to the front pages of of a daily newspaper. Uh, teachers are, are policing the language, I would expect them to police the language. I would want them to make sure that our kids know there is a neutral English that we can all come together and talk and understand each other. Then if you want to cut away, cut eyes at your mate or that's a neck, you, know, you can use it, no problem. But, you know, you've got to know who you're talking to. You know what I mean, like? Because if I'm talking to you, you can't talk like that. You know I am saying, understand, do you? <laughs>
1: Maybe maybe we should get maybe we should get some some kids from the school on the show. But they'd obviously that you'd expect them to you'd expect them to put their poshest language on for, for five in the eye. Exactly,
0: you? exactly. We want them to talk appropriately. Five in the eye. Believe this this headline. <laughs> this is it's just, this is this is story number four. Story number four. Couldn't believe the headline it says Friday. That's the chess organization sparks anger with gross. Breast enlargement sponsor for women's chess. <laughs> a breast enlargement company is going to sponsor women's chess. Now, this is just something's gone wrong with these people. This is just telling women, you don't, we don't have a penis enlargement programs, do we, for sponsoring DART programs or chess programs? This is just Phil, I'm sorry. This is. Something has gone wrong. I, I thought they, you know, the, the, this exposure would get them to change and, and, and withdraw. But no, they're sticking by their guns. Is that the mm. right word I'm using there? I mean, mixed metaphors, mixed metaphors.
1: I mean, uh, at one level, Michael, I, I'm tempted to describe this as a storm in a D-cup. <laughs> but uh, I, I do realise there is a serious there is a serious side to this story, which is that um, you've got... Um, you know, probably some, some very, very brainy people here who are um able to play chess at an uh, incredibly high standard. And effectively this is an insult to them, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's talking about it, it's it's a sponsorship about women's physical yeah. attributes, where actually um the, the the whole the whole game is built around intellectual. It,
0: no, there's something wrong with the, the field of chess. Because, you know, we you, you looked at, I, I do research, Phil, you know this before these programmes. Uh, I do read these, uh, read, read around. And there's 1,300 grandmasters. Guess how many are women?
1: I, I, you're going to tell me it's just a handful, I expect.
0: They, 40 or about so, 39. Mm. So there's you know, something going on there. You know, and, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to get an, an, an alliteration here, Phil. You'll love this alliteration. I thought I thought chess was a game of brains, not breasts. No, seriously, you know it's, it's 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 misogynistic to put to to something that women do because they feel inadequate. They want to enlarge their breasts to make them more attractive to men, or that also they believe this is just it's it's, it's derived with what what, what the what the men in chess are doing to women having the. Sponsorship. Do we
1: have any understanding of why this? Um, breast enlargement company feels that the chess is a good opportunity I mean, for, for for their sponsorship is it that they thought they might provoke headlines exactly like this and now that now they're being talked about on the news and on five in the eye
0: exactly i i think it's it's, it's um it's a publicity stunt and equally maybe they're doing it the chess organization the money's good the money's good they're doing it for the money but they're not doing and i chess. expect
1: it's it's probably quite hard to get you know, big big sponsor money for chess, isn't it? It's it's not exactly like, uh, you know, you're sponsoring Ronaldo or or, or Emma Raducanu, is it?
0: Um, no, no, no. You're right. It's it's not a not a glamour game. And in fact, they had it li- the, the the article li- listed as a sport, and I challenge it as a sport because you know, for me, you know, you know what I think about sport. Sport is about uncertainty. You don't know the outcome. Sport is about physical contact, and also. The potential
1: for blood you know you know something could go wrong there is a risk to the human body with, with darts the risk would be the dart <laughs> didn't go where you intended it to go i suppose
0: it, it, that, that's close uh, it's cl- <laughs> it's cl- close but it's also got to be arm of sweat of course the perspiration is involved and i don't see any perspiration as, in in um in in darts the same here for chess but you know we're moving away from the point. There's something wrong in the, in the world of chess where they have got to go out. i got to go to a, a breast implant company. You know, uh-uh. That's a that's a, a failure on my side.
1: No, not on my side. It's a failure on their side. Five in the eye. Finally, this week we're going to uh, talk about the guy in Florida who. Um, performed a rather extraordinary feat. When I first talked to you about this, Michael, I'd heard about the story and read it, but I hadn't seen the video. Obviously, in advance of the show, I've watched the video. Um, that This is a guy in Florida who captured an alligator that must be five foot long uh, in a wheelie bin. And he was doing this on behalf of a neighbor. A neighbor had spotted this alligator outside the house. This rather, should we say brave? Should we say reckless? I don't know quite how I would describe this guy, he's probably both. He brings the wheelie bin along, somehow or other manages to get the alligator in it, shuts the lid, then wheels it down back towards a lake where the alligator has emerged from and then releases it and runs away. I mean, uh, watching it, it kind of heart's in your mouth, isn't it, Michael? You know, I was just, okay, yeah, shocked. Shocked, you know.
0: You know the thing the book shot me was, he had flip-flops on and shorts. <laughs> this was a man... On his holiday, he's going you not know, go back doing his bit of gardening in the sun. And he sees an alligator, and he has a really close at hand, so he says, I'm what to do here. And I just thought, there is no way. No way on earth. There's only one way when you see an alligator. And that's one thing to do, and that's running the opposite direction. So deep respect with a lot of awe for him to, not just challenge him, he advances on the alligator. He moves forward on him. You know, I don't know what was in the wheelie bin. What was it, you know, a pound of some steak or some dead rat or something? But he, he literally just pops the alligator into the wheelie bin. And then, as you say, Phil, he wheels it down. For me, that would have been enough. I would have been on the. It's, it's in the bin. Come and get the bin. No, he, he's, well, man,
1: he, he's kind of keeping his hand on the lid, isn't he, yeah. to, to stop the, the gator coming back up. And, um, and maybe his worry was that if you, <laughs> if you just left it for the authorities the, the alligator would have been pushing its way back out of the bin I don't know do, do, do you think we, there should be an
0: award for this kind of behaviour You know, like the, 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 I think if you gave the an George award medal if, for, you know, something.
1: if you <laughs> gave an award for this kind of thing it might encourage people into some rather reckless actions uh, I, I I mean this this all passed off well but you could see when you watched the video you could see there was plenty of opportunity for it to end another way so uh, uh, great respect to the guy for what he did he was incredibly brave uh and um i wouldn't really um I, I i wouldn't really be following in his footsteps i don't think i can handle a spider <laughs>
0: i can I give me a glass and a piece of card i can oh, have like the, can, the old jam jar i can i, I can i can do that. that that that's about my limit and many of the time i've been called upon to exercise my skill at defending the family from spiders but of a certain size, though, Phil. We're not talking about five-inch. You know, I think my limit is about two and a half. A bit bigger than two and a half, then I have to call in somebody else. You have to call in maybe a hammer or a or a big, big carpet or something. But, you know, these two and a half-inch spiders, I'm, I'm your man. I'll step forward. Flip flops and shorts.
1: Five in the eye. Well, that's it for another week. Please be careful when you go putting the bins out. We hope you enjoyed episode
0: three two six, and we'll join us next week for, you've guessed it, 0-3-2-7. For now, this is me, Michael O'Huddoor, saying, if you have been, thanks for listening, listening, and wish you a very good
1: bye. And this is Phil Woodford reminding you to keep an eye on the news, as you never know what we'll be discussing on next week's Five in the Eye. Goodbye. <laughs> Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?